Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, welcome back to the new Mindset Monday podcast brought to you by Wrestling Mindset, the only wrestling-specific mindset training program anywhere in the world. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and make sure to mention this podcast with uh, Yanni D when you sign up for your free trial at WrestlingMindset.com. So we got Mindset Mike here, and I'm joined today by two very special people in the sport of wrestling. Uh, First, I'll be sharing the mic today with one of my favorite guys in wrestling, so Let's uh, welcome Mike Mal from Flows Behind the Dirt. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much, man. How's everything oh, going Oh, man, things are good. You know, I know we're only two and a half hours away between Houston and Austin, but uh, it does feel like a world away uh, <clears throat> in this big state of Texas. But it was nice to see you uh, last week. The kids really appreciated your work. Oh, good, man. I'm glad they get a bunch out of it every time I come down there. It's it's a lot of fun. You guys put together some 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 cool practices and, and stuff. Yeah, like I that. appreciate it. You know, uh, so just for those of you listening, Mike, uh, Mike comes down to help me out at my club. And this past time he actually worked with a bunch of the MMA fighters and uh, showed them some little wrestling hacks to help them get to better positions. So uh, the more, the more fighters that can learn wrestling, the better. So Mike, we appreciate you. Um, yeah. So uh, Mike and I will be breaking it down today with your NCAA champion at 141 pounds and four-time New York State champion Yanni Dakamahalas from Cornell. Uh, Yanni had one of the most memorable and probably most mentally tough performances in NCAA history. Uh, after tearing his ACL in the middle of the tournament, Yanni knocked off a two-time NCAA champion avenged his only loss of the season, and then beat the number one seed in the same tournament. So, Yanni, thanks for making uh, time for us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I'm excited. So, you know, Yanni, um, you're exactly a week out of your ACL surgery. Uh, That's an injury that, you know, ends a lot of guys' careers, but you seem very positive about it. So what's your mindset going into this long rehab process to help you stay positive? And, you know, how did the first week of rehab go? I mean – it's just this is the new reality, so you can't let it you know, affect you and you can't let it bother you because you can't change it. I can't like go back and un-injure my knee, so just got to attack it just like you're attacking training. And first week's going well so far. You know, Actually, I've got pretty good range of motion. Swelling's coming down, so everything's going good, and it's just about continuing to attack it and like not letting this beat you. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, you, know, you beat guys in the tournament that most people couldn't beat with a fully healthy set of knees, uh, let alone doing it with a freshly torn ACL. So tell us a little bit about how that happened um, and how you and your coaches mentally got you past that um, and how you were able to gut through the tournament. Honestly, for me, um, you know, the Heil match, you don't really know what's going on. You just know, like, oh, man, I hurt my knee. Like, I got up, you know, knee buckle a little bit. You're kind of like, oh, what's going on? But, uh, you know, it's like, whatever's going on, your options are you can win the match or lose the match. And really people don't care. People don't feel bad for you. Like in the end, you know, three years from now, you're just going to look at the brackets and say, yeah, like Yanni over Dean Heil, 6'5". There won't be an asterisk like Buddy Torres ACL. <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's just like, 
this is your new reality. You know, your knee's not 100%, and you got to make the adjustments, and don't even think about it when you're out there. It's just like you know you know what changes you have to make to not further injure yourself and to get through the match. So you just don't – you just tune it out and get to it. Yeah. Do you remember – do you remember the exact point in the match? Oh, yeah. Where it hurt? Can you describe it? And so – Like what – time in the match so he took like a low double and we get in a scramble and he ends up on a single leg on my right leg and i'm going rubber knee mm-hmm. and i actually get mm-hmm. back to a sprawl i chase like the cradle that i hit and i go to limp leg out and it's it's one of those things that i've done so many times where like you put your knee on the back of their head mm-hmm. and you use it as like a lever to pull your foot out mm-hmm. and i was like just this one time i put my knee on the back of the head and i don't know what happened but it slipped and it just like Maybe he pulled it a different way or whatever happened. It's never happened to me before. But it slipped into his, like, shoulder and neck where I didn't have that lever anymore. So my legs now are just, like, super vulnerable. None of the muscles are getting activated. And he just – I don't know. I would have done the same thing. He just pulled my leg in. And, like, as soon Mm -hmm. as he did it, you felt – I felt the pop and you're like, oh. Like, you don't know what happened, but you're like, oh, something happened. And then I went to get up and my knee buckled a little bit. And you're like, okay. Something's going on, but I don't really know what. <laughs> and, like, I thought about taking injury time. And I looked over at Mike Gray. He's, my, like, one of the coaches. You know, he's the coach here that I work with. And I'm like, ah, do I need injury time? And he's like, well, does your knee hurt? And I'm like, not really. I'm just kind of freaking out. This is, like, going on in my mm-hmm. head. And I'm like, I'm just freaking out, but there's not really anything. And I was like, all right, can't give up injury time if I don't really need it. So we're just going to keep wrestling. So you tore your, so there was no real pain. It was just kind of like a like I remember popping my knee and going, well that's that's interesting. That there's a heat there. Oh yeah. Um, there it felt like it was held together with chewing gum, you know. But so there wasn't a in, pain. Pain. So like in the match, the Heil match, I didn't really really in mm. all of the matches you don't really feel anything. The only thing is that like mm. like there's no pain, but there's like some instability. I had to consider mm-hmm. i couldn't put a lot of weight on my leg couldn't you know make hard cuts like the two-step stuff that i like to do and then there was pain between the matches so like like saturday morning before the finals i like i couldn't bend my knee past 90 degrees <laughs> so we took we took a mm-hmm. lot of time loosening that out and at this point like i remember telling our trainer like whatever's going on i don't tell me i don't want to know like i don't i'm wrestling i'd rather just not know and wow. like I'm just glad that he told me that because, like, I knew if I knew there was something wrong, I would have wrestled differently. But if I just believe, like, oh, I don't have meniscus or whatever, like, meniscus isn't a big deal, I would have been fine. I was rewatching the match last night, um, you know, getting ready for the interview, and I saw the moment when you did it. And I didn't obviously, like, I wasn't there, so I wouldn't know, but I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at you, look at the coaches, and, like, you, you could tell you're, like, looking at your knee, looking at the coaches, looking at the knee, like, you're like, I, I, I don't know what to do, and you're like, ah, screw it, I'm just going to wrestle. Yeah. That's awesome. And honest, honestly, that was just the thought process. Was like, no, nah, you don't need injury time. It's not worth giving up the escape. Just keep going. Yeah. So you know, moving on from the injury. So from what you've told me, you know, you you, you and I had some good conversations. You know, leading up to today, and uh, you know, I've I've heard a lot of the interviews that you've done post NCAA's, and I essentially I hear three things come from you when it comes to uh, what you attribute your success to this year. Uh, one is your confidence in yourself. Two is trusting your coaches that they have the utmost belief in you and, and what that means. And then also the impact that Mike Gray has had on you. Those are the three things that I've really heard and all the stories and all the things we've talked about. So no better example of how those things work together, I think, than your match against Dean Howe. Uh, scores tied and your coaches tell you to cut them with, you know, under a minute left. And, uh, you know, you guys were looking at each other, trying to figure out what the right call is. Ultimately, you know, you guys decided to cut them. You trusted their judgment. And then seconds later after you did. So you trusted their judgment. Seconds later, you trust yourself. You're right back in on a leg, secure the takedown, and then ride them out for the big win. So that moment finishes up with you jumping into Mike Gray's arms. Um, so tell me what those three things mean to you and what Mike Gray's impact has been on your success and development this past year. So – talking about the mental toughness stuff and the belief in my coaches it's honestly the mental toughness side is i always thought was like the big thing i was missing aside from being super weak <laughs> like, aside um, from being what i didn't hear that super weak 
Oh, no, that's not true. You got a weird strength. I've wrestled you before. That's not true. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. Just throw it out there. But, yeah, I I always thought I was weak, which definitely was something I made up with this year. But I never had, like, the mental edge. Like, I was was always able to give, like, 90%. And, you know, when you give 90%, it feels like you've maxed out. But, like, really every Mm -hmm. day you just leave, like, a little bit. And you don't even realize it. But then you tell yourself you're doing everything and you just keep leaving a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Well, Mike was able to draw that out of me, mostly just by torturing me in practice. And, <laughs> and like, I can't tell you when the switch, I can't tell you when the switch clicked, but he sat me down and we had like a conversation. This was early in the year where he's like, listen, you know, I know you don't get tired a lot and you're used to being better than guys because of how high school is and all this stuff, but you can't be afraid to get tired in practice. He's like, every day, if you're leaving the room, like, crying just miserable your legs are feel like they're giving out like just in pain from the exhaustion like that's when you've done a good job so like my mentality changed from like getting better to getting better but getting every bit out of me so it was like all right i have to be i have to do everything perfect that was always like the mindset but it was like i have to do everything perfect even when i feel like i'm gonna die and i think obviously i'm exaggerating a little bit but I've no, no, no. But that's but the 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 the, the verbiage and the the way that you kind of say that is important because now, okay, now that obviously no one's going to die in a wrestling room. I, I hope no one dies in a wrestling yeah. room. Okay, but but what I'm saying is we now have to kind of uh, the younger generation of this sport. Okay, is going to look to you, and that's that's something that I want to talk about a little bit later. But the younger generation of this sport has to know that there can be perfection even in exhaustion, right? And that is simply a decision, right? It's a decision that we are going to make on a daily basis to not just be perfect, but be perfect when all systems are failing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's really, it's tough. It's really, really tough. No one likes it. Okay. But you have to be able to put yourself in those positions as much as possible. That's awesome, man. I, you know, I mean, I knew coach Gray was a great coach um, technically, and I'm so happy that he's really kind of spearheading at least your development um, mentally there too. That's, that's really good stuff. Yeah. So he, um, cause like, that's one thing I think is super important about coaching is I don't care mm. like how self-motivated you can take the me- Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder. Let's take Kyle Snyder. Kyle Snyder makes mm. everyone he wrestles super tired, right? Mm-hmm. As motivated as Kyle is, I still think you need someone who can like push you the little extra because you can only push yourself so far and then you mm-hmm. need someone to sit there and tell you, I think, like, you need to give this a little more and you'll do it. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think that's what makes people great is the fact that they can respond. Like, I need mm-hmm. to do more, I can do more. And then you see it. He has that person. Travell is quite obviously yeah. the, the person for Kyle that is just pushing him just, just a little bit past what he thinks his limits are and 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 you know snyder kyle or you know um not kyle snyder excuse me brian snyder is doing the same thing with jb and the guys in lincoln you know so it's it's cool to see that all of these guys really do have somebody that they all look at and go okay this guy's gonna push me just a little bit further i remember uh ed ruth right ed ruth did a an interview after his third NCAA title. And they said, man, Ed, you've, you've accomplished just about as much as you can accomplish in this sport in college. What's, what's next? What do you want to do next? And he looked at the camera deadpan and said, I just want to get a takedown in the wrestling room against Casey Cunningham. Man. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but. I can't even get a damn takedown in the room, man. So, so there's always like, so the cool part about it is, yeah, there's these little hacks, you know, Mike likes to call them hacks and, and, and these little things that you can kind of do to, to help yourself get better. 
But, man, having a great coach that's willing to put their foot in your behind, you know, it's pretty invaluable. Yeah. And I think that's great, too, to hear, you know, obviously, like, you coming out to be as one of the top three recruits um, in the country, you know, everybody was talking about how great you were going to transition to college, things like that. But to still even as talented as you are, come to a room and have have a guy push you like that. And, you know, actually, you probably, including the RTC, you have a lot of guys that could really, really push you. Uh, you really oh, yeah. can't say that very often. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, I know I, uh, um, we can get into later talking more. But, like, I mean, you know, those of you that are listening, think about this. You know, in the same room at one given time, you can have, you know, Jordan Oliver, Kyle Dake, you know, you, Vito, every other guy that's on that team uh, and in the RTC pushing each other. Like, I can't imagine what those, like, three-man groups look like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've had a lot of ass whoopings from Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, that brings, that brings me back to something that she told me. It's like, you know, these kids that are developing, they have to realize that they got to get their ass kicked if they want to kick yeah, ass. You, you need know? to. You can't, like, um, my dad always, it's one thing that's funny. My dad used to always tell me, he's like, as good as you want to be, you can't ever be the best guy in your own practice. Because <clears> then, <throat> then you have no one to beat you. Because there's like, there's two kinds of, improvement like ways you can improve i think and one of them is like all right so say say i'm the best guy in my practice room and i can beat everybody well it's like you try and separate it from beating them all by a couple points to blowing it out right right but then you need the flip side where like all right say i'm the best guy in the room well i need someone to come here and beat the beat me up a little bit so i can be like all right this is what doesn't work like that was something that was really important for me getting to wrestle with jordan a lot this year was I learned what worked and what didn't work. Because, like, sometimes you get in a room with guys, like college guys, and something that works on 90% of the room, you're like, oh, this move works. You get to wrestle with Jordan, and then you realize, like, man, I can't even – like, all right, just let's talk hypotheticals. I have a ready single leg. Say I hit that on everyone in the room. I'm like, man, I must have a great ready single leg. But then I can't finish it with Jordan. Was that has exposed a new flaw in my game that I need to get better at. You know what I mean? Hey, I got to stop you there. What works right now and what more specific or let me rephrase before the before the injury. What did not work before what? I'm sorry, you broke up before your before your injury, before, before the your injury. injury. What didn't work? What was not working? Technically? So like when so just because it's the same guys in the room throughout the year, you kind of figure out how to make things work. But when Jordan got here, mm-hmm. I remember. Like, at first, nothing did. <laughs> and it, it wasn't because I had to, like, find different ways. I think that's a mistake a lot of kids make. It's like, oh, this move doesn't work on this guy. It must not work. Like, that's not true. Otherwise, nothing works. Like, you can find a guy mm-hmm. where your best move doesn't work on him. You just need to make it better. So, like, I was hitting a lot of single legs, high crotches, like, elbow control stuff, the drags. all Like, my whole offense. At first, none of it worked. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get anything going. I'm like, man, what is going on? But literally, mm-hmm. in the course of two months... I went from, like, not being able to get anything going to, like, breaking them open, getting the shots, like, getting the finishes sometimes, you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. obviously part of it is just because you wrestle with them so much. But part of it is just, like, if you, don't, if you didn't know it didn't work, you never felt the need to make it better. Right, right. But mm-hmm. be, because it was failing, you, like, just by being an active participant in your own sport, you find that it's not working and you make the adjustments to make it work. If, if you're the best guy in the room, you need to find another room. I think that's something that we hear a lot about in, uh, <clears throat> you know, with the club rooms. You know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, especially having a wrestling club myself and Mike being involved in one for a lot of times. Um, a lot of people like to be this, the, the big fish in a small pond. They don't like coming to, a, you know, a new room and getting their ass kicked. But that's kind of the whole point is, you know, if you're walking into the room and getting a beat down, you should be going finding the, you know, finding – the first person at the front desk can be like, how do I sign up? Because I need somebody to beat me up every day. Yeah. I think you got to find like a good medium, you know, obviously for, especially for young kids. Yeah. If they don't, sometimes you got to let them be like big fish, small pond a little for bit. Sure. I think just to reel them in. Cause it's hard. You can't just start out at eight year old getting messed up every day. He'll hate it. But at the same time, I think a perfect like situation is, something in the middle it's a, it's pretty close to what i have because i have guys like jordan and kyle uh like jordan oliver and kyle Dake, who no matter what like kyle no matter how well i compete no matter how bad he's feeling 
he's going to beat me. <laughs> I, there's nothing I can do about it. And then you got guys like Jordan, who no matter how, where like some days he beats me, but I can get the takedowns on him. You know, I'm not saying I beat him in the room all the time, but like there's days where I have like we have our days and I can get takedowns and he can get takedowns and like we battle, and I think that's good. But then there's also guys in the room who I can beat by a little bit, who can beat me by a little bit, who I can blow out, you know, and there's guys who blow me out. And that is good when you have a little bit of everything. Having a good balance. Having a good balance. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Um, so in your, in your post-match interview, obviously, like a picture that we really enjoyed was seeing you point to your head and talk about how it's all in your mind. Um, you know, obviously with wrestling mindset, we talk about focusing on what you can control. We know we call that like effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Those are the three things that you can control during a wrestling match, you know, having that predator mindset, not necessarily about, you know, lion memes and, uh, 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 being, uh, uh, overly aggressive more so about having like a laser focus on your goals and what you can control. So that being said, what do you focus on like before and during your matches? So it's funny because like everyone takes it so seriously, but like leading up to a match, <laughs> me, me and me and Mike do so much like casual small talk. Because <laughs> like it's there's a certain point with little kids, I get you got to get them all warmed up and focused because yeah. they they haven't learned to focus yet, and I think that comes with just getting them to care. Because anyone who cares about the outcome is gonna compete hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Then you get the reverse side where you care so much that it's debilitating, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you got to just be able to like cut loose. Like I was going to wrestle Ironman in the national semis, right? And I'm walking out to the mat, and I remember DeSanto lost in the blood round right in front of me. It was the mat right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I literally looked over to Mike walking out the mat. And I'm like, man, I can't believe he, like someone got hit for stalling four times in a period. And then like <laughs> – and. <laughs> uh, uh, and Mike's like, dude, that uh, was, and they, we're going back and forth, like, oh, that was crazy. We're looking at this other match. We're talking about Lamont and Moisey. We're like, oh, dude, Moisey All American again after making the finals. Like, you know, good for him. And like, we're just talking about just like matches, and I'm I'm warming up without even realizing it, just because subconsciously that's what you do. And then I'm like walking out the mat, and I'm like, oh, I'm up. Okay, take my shirt off. I'm like, I'm wrestling, because for me at least, as soon as like my feet touch a wrestling mat, switch flips. You know what I mean? And it's like you're 100% laser focused. But there's no need to be laser focused for 45 minutes. That's just no, wasting energy. Yeah. I, absolutely. It seems exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. it is exhausting. I used to do it, and I'd be so tired at the end of a turn. I'd be like, oh, like everything, everything's sore. Yeah. Like sometimes you're warming up longer than your actual match. Like that's so unnecessary for an 18-year-old kid. Hey, so let me ask you something. When did I see you back there? When, did, when were we goofing around? Was that before the finals or before? I think that was before the finals. Yeah, and we were just goofing around. Yeah. You had your hands on the mat, quite literally, and I'll, I'll paint the picture for everyone. Um, backstage, as you come into the tunnel from the, the bowl area, you kind of make a hard right, and there's a, a mat there, and the mat has, like, a curtain around it. Um, I don't know why there's a curtain around it, but there is. Um, so Yanni is literally just sitting there with his feet crossed on his so he's sitting on the mat with his feet crossed and his hands back on. And, and this is why I came up to you. I don't know if you know this, but the reason that I came up to you was because you started yawning. <laughs> Number yeah. one. Okay. I'm trying to and do like, that. You, 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 it was like two matches away. And I look over, first of all, Bo Nickel is like doing his thing behind you, but your arms were on the mat, like your hands were on the mat behind you, uh, almost like he was sitting on the beach, right? And I just, I look at you and I go, Yanni, get your hands off the mat. God forbid somebody rolls into you. Something <laughs> happens. I'm just going, I'm going, oh my God. He, and then Yanni just looks at me and goes, yeah, I got pins in my elbows, man. I'm good. <laughs> what? All right, man, just do you. Jeez, I'm pro. I'm just going to walk away. Because, like, the dad and the coach came out me, and, like, I was like, just get your dad. Like, I know if your dad was there. I know your dad fairly well. I know if your dad was there, he'd say, well, get your hands off the mat. Somebody's yeah. going to roll into you, stupid. Don't be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, 
But it was cool. So it was funny. I actually know the exact match where it like clicked in my head. So I was in Vegas before the Meredith match. So I used to get like super mm. serious, right? And super focused. And I still do, but like it'll make sense again. And I get super serious and I'd, I'd wrestle a match. And like I was in really good shape at like the time of Vegas, just specifically. Because mm-hmm. like I, I wrestled like a whole match, like a hard match. And be like, all right, yeah, we're good. Walk off the mat. But before the Meredith match, I remember, like, because there's so much wait time before, like, big matches like that. There's, like, we were mm-hmm. standing there on the mat for, like, 10 minutes, and all this stuff's going by, and you're like, dude. And um, I don't know what Mike saw, but he must have just seen me kind of freaking out. And he's just like, get over here. And I think, I thought he was going to, like, yell at me, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, what did I do? And he just starts, like, t- small talking me. And um, I was just, like, felt great afterwards i'm like all right i'm up okay like you don't have enough time to worry about the match because mm. you're just like your mind just gets distracted by whatever you're talking about yeah so there rela- so then we literally like sat down he's like all right from now on you're relaxed your body's ready to go you're warming up when you're on deck and then you're just hanging out and i'm like okay i can do that so and i just i just like love wrestling so much that it's kind of like ruining it if you get all worried about it before you're actually wrestling. So, like, I like mm. just hanging out on a mat, like, just laying down and relaxing. And it just, like, feels comfortable to me to just hang out in a wrestling room. So, anytime mm-hmm. I get the chance to just, like, relax, it's actually usually those are my best days. Are the days where I'm just not really worrying about everything and you just let your mind turn off. Really, mm. you let your brain turn off, you know? I think that's an important distinction, and I'm really glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, like you said, are way too serious before their before their matches. So, like when we help wrestlers, you know, develop a pre-match routine, the most important element is the one that they uh, probably never had before, which is an element of fun. So, like for you, you know, being able to have small talk and joke around with your coach, it's important. It like takes the edge off. You you kind of can step away from being in an intense competitive situation, and you just get to like you know, shoot the breeze with your coach or one of your teammates or just somebody to, to keep you relaxed. So, you know, for those of you listening, whether it's coaches, whether it's wrestlers, you know, if you don't have some sort of element of fun and ability to take the edge off prior to your matches, you're going to, like Yanni's saying, you're going to, you know, have that extreme sense of tenseness, that level of intensity that you don't necessarily need to have until you get ready to get on the mat. And, you know, I remember being a Fargo and, two years ago and talking to Mitch McKee and Mitch McKee was, I was asking him, you know, like, what do you do before your match? Like I saw you look super calm and, and collected before you were getting ready to wrestle. And he's like, he braids his hair. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, sorry. (laughs) You're going to set him up, Mike. I got to knock him down. bro. I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. That was, that was perfect. So he was like, he was like, you know, I just, I try to keep things relaxed. I try to keep things chill. He's like, honestly, I don't even listen to any hype music. He's, you know, when I, when I listen to music that gets me too pumped up, I feel kind of too tense before I get out on the mat. So, you know, do you, do you, do you listen to music at all before you, before you get on the mat? Or is it just kind of, you know, you're just in, you're in there doing your own thing and shooting, um, shooting the breeze with your coaches. So not, not when I'm warming up, mostly like if I listen to music, it's usually between rounds where it's like, I just need something to pass the time. Yeah. But when I'm warming up, I actually like to take it all in because I don't know. I just, I like it so much. You I love think, wrestling. So it's just, just something that you it. love. So like, yeah. Like when I was, when like the finals were going on, you know, I'm just like in the back tunnel. They don't let you like see anything. I kept trying to peek my head out there and <laughs> it wasn't because I was like nervous, but I was like, man, I kind of want to watch this. Like I yes, can't see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. There's some really good wrestling. Yeah, like what the heck? <laughs> I don't know if you Like know. we're watching, I'm following the scoreboard. I'm like, oh, Spencer just took down Soriano. What's going on out there? I can't mm. see anything. Then you're like you thir- no. 33, same thing. You're just like, ah. Well, one of the, one of the things that like, so, so one, of the, one of the smartest men I've ever been, a, been around one time told me worrying is like paying interest on stuff that's not due, right? Like, so it's like, it's like paying interest on a, on a debt that's not even due, right? So it, you're, you're, you're giving all this energy to something that yeah, well, it's, it's not going to affect the outcome. It's not going to, to if the more you worry, it's not going to affect the outcome any, any more or less. So we have to kind of keep that in mind. And, and when you tell athletes and you're going to be a great coach one day, yeah. 
and and, and I'm and if you if if these knuckleheads at Cornell if they decide to take you into the business world and take you out of wrestling, I will find them all and hurt them. But <laughs> I will make sure that you stay involved in wrestling your entire <laughs> life. Um, and, and so well, I guess what I'm saying is it's easy to be able to do it yourself. The next thing is to be like Mike Gray and be able to now calm people down when they're in in that type of state. Well, yeah, because especially college wrestling, like everyone cares so much and they put so much time into it. You're never going to mm-hmm. have to be like, hey, focus. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like may- maybe there's like a f- 5 to 10% group of people where you have to be like, hey, come on, let's start focusing on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those people are different. And I've never met anyone who, like that in college. Me neither. But Me most either. people care about winning and losing. So you often have to catch him at the other side where he's like, all right, hey, hey, let's not worry about it so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, right. and, you know, I think something that you do really well, this is something that is at almost every high, high level athlete in any sport. You know, you've said it a number of times. You love what you do. Uh, people that are successful in business, really, truly successful. They love what they do. They don't get up at four o'clock in the morning because they necessarily have to uh, and they feel obligated. They love what they do. They wake up and they're excited to attack the day. What do you love about practice? What is it that keeps you motivated to where you're sustaining the highest level of success for a very long period of time, you know, not just locally, not just nationally, but even internationally. So I think a big one for me is, um, I just love like learning about the technical side of wrestling. I'm kind of a nerd about it. And I think I just love like being out there. And like hitting moves, like people, some people love, like, oh man, I love to fight. And like, no, if I wanted to fight, I would have boxed and let people beat me up all the time. But <laughs> I'm I'm really interested in like being a better wrestler than the other guy. That's kind of my my game plan. Um, it seems so. Yeah, I feel like it was like one of those things that you know like your parents say stuff to you, and it's like it's so simple, but you can't challenge it. My dad, my dad mm-hmm. was my coach my whole life until I got to college, and he would always tell me, like, all right, listen, it's not about being stronger or faster. Otherwise, you'd lift and run, and it'd be a lifting or a running competition. But since it's wrestling, we're going to teach you how to be better at wrestling than the other guy. And that'll get you pretty far. I think that's, I mean, so, I think that's a very much like an international thought process because in, in America, yeah. we have a very different approach. And then you look at people from other countries, and they don't look quite as strong. They don't look quite as athletic. They don't look like they would be a great wrestler. And then all of a sudden, they're like, how did they just tech fall this guy? I, I, he didn't look like anything. Yeah. I just think, I think it's something that is starting to come back now. Mm-hmm. Well, not starting to. It has came back now. Where You see some really great wrestling in the United States, and especially internationally. And I think like, that's like the purest form of wrestling is when it's two guys just like out there hitting moves. And obviously, there's a ton of toughness. There's a ton of getting hit in the face. There's like a certain amount of that you just need because that's the nature of the sport. You got to be able to eat, eat clubs, eat face punches and all this stuff. And you got to be able to wrestle with a broken nose and deal with everything and overcome adversity. But I love like good wrestling. So I think it's like fun for me to like try and replicate good wrestling and like do some of my own stuff. You're like, oh man, I can't believe I hit that in a match, you know, and just get out there. and. Who's the best constantly. in the world right now, technically? Technically. Oh, that's a tough one. All right, let me, okay, let's, let's rephrase then, because it's impossible to say best, but who's your favorite? I actually really like – there's a couple guys I like. I like Chimizo. I like Azgarov. Mm-hmm. And one who's recently mm-hmm. caught my eye is Bekbulatov. He's so cool to watch. He's awesome. He's awesome. You're He's like, wow. Awesome. Like, it's so funny because, like, Mike, I always say, like, oh, I want to win the world championships. I want to win the Olympics. And then you watch the guys who don't win the world championships in the Olympics, and you're like, you're like, <laughs> man, I got to be better than that. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, no they're kidding. Pretty good. <laughs> there are guys, there are guys that that can't even make a t- look. Like I watched the Uregan, like I like I just went back and watched the entire thing. Um, you know, three of the weights anyway, and I'm sitting there going, Rashidov might be one of the best wrestlers in the world that has never even made a team. I know it's crazy. Like this dude's never even made a team. I mean, it's bananas how crazy good these guys are. And then you look at, like, you know, guys like Kinkashvili, who has a couple world and an Olympic 
medals and titles, but he doesn't win every year. And you go, well, who the hell beats him? Yeah, it's so you know? crazy. And, and, and so, yeah, the, 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 the rabbit hole just keeps on going. And that's – so Mike asked you what you love about the sport. I am in the same ilk as you. I, I love the technical aspect of the sport. And the reason that I love it so much is that it is literally – and not figuratively, literally endless. It is boundless. There are so many different little offshoots and little things that you can do or you can learn or you can teach that um, it's just, it's boundless. So so. that's the, the the infinity of it is kind of what, what draws me to it. You, you, you could always get better. Always. Like no matter who you are, no one has a ceiling where they've maxed out because there's always ways to get better. That's one of, you know, like Mike talking about how he loves these, you know, uh, that's his favorite part of the sport too. And that's one of the things I think Mm. Mike and I probably have two of the best jobs in the sport of wrestling where we travel around the country and we get to, we get to nitpick and learn and, uh, 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 soak up knowledge about the two things we're most passionate about. So like, obviously I'm super focused on, the mindset side of things. I left a career in the FBI to, you know, pursue, pursue this endeavor. Mike moves across the country. And, you know, when I, when I describe people to Mike and uh, when I, when I describe Mike to people of like, Hey, you need to come to this clinic because of these, you know, for, for, for this guy, like, ah, I've never heard of him. I'm like, yeah, he spends his entire life analyzing the technique of the highest guys in the world. So pretty sure he knows details of stuff that we'll never even be able to pick out. And he's going to be able to change your game in ways that, you know, maybe those 200, those those really uh, uh, high profile quote unquote uh, clinicians that have a thousand wrestlers at their camp. I would rather take Mike Mal every day. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm, I'm working on it. Um, So, you know, the, I, I, the thing that I, I, I dig about Yanni though, is that it, when he and I geek out on technique, it goes deep. It goes deep. Where were we when we were, oh, it was, um, it's the pinning down autism thing. We're yes, talking about that Russian yes. climate care, I think. Yes. And we spent a half an hour and I was supposed to be uploading video and Christian's getting to me like, where are you at? I'm like, I shut up stupid. I'm with Yanni. I didn't say stupid. I didn't say that to him and I don't mean that, but like, shut up, man. I'm, I'm working here. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, this is how I work. I, I work by, by trying to soak up as much of this stuff and from anyone at all, from anyone. Like, your dad and I have had numerous conversations about this kind of stuff. I, I honestly could just sit and talk about wrestling all day. I get made fun of on the team sometimes. You're that guy. You're, that, you're, you're the, one of the best guys on the team, but you're a total nerd. Oh, yeah. They're like, mm. dude, you got to have one hour a day where you don't think about wrestling. I'm like, I sleep eight hours. And they're like, well, you got to be yeah. awake for it. They're like, talk to your oh, girlfriend well. or something for an hour. I'm like, I'll probably talk wrestling to her too, you know? So, 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 like, so like, outside of wrestling, like, who is Yanni? Like, what is, what, what, like, makes you tick outside of, you know, what consumes most of your life? Like, what else is there about you that people don't, like, that most people don't know? All right, so this reminds me of a funny story. So we do our starter spotlights at Cornell. You ever seen those videos on Facebook? Yeah. Basically, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be like get to know the person behind the wrestler. So our manager, Gigi, mm-hmm. she's like, hey, can I meet with you at the Freeman, you know, on a Saturday? I just want to try and think about what we're going to do for your starter spotlight. And I'm like, all right. I meet with her, and she's like, so what do you do outside of class? I'm like, ah, I'm usually a Freeman. And then she's like, well, what do you do when you're not Freeman and you're not in school? I'm like, ah. Oh, probably watching wrestling or just hanging out at the Freeman. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, well, I'm like, nothing really. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and then that was how like that video came with like me, like living in the wrestling room and stuff. And like, I do other things. Like I hang out with my friends and play video games and do like normal kid stuff, you know, like that. But I just really love hanging out in the wrestling room. And it's just like, I feel more comfortable on a wrestling mat than I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so, it's so easy. There's no worries. Like you just you don't have to stress mm-hmm. about life. You just hang out there mm-hmm. and about wrestling and like it's like my it's it sounds so dumb, but it's like your happy place. Like all right, it's like that one thing you can do every day where you can't 
like it just doesn't bother you and you just get in there and turn your brain off for a little bit you wrestle and it's like a it's like a reset button you know what i mean okay so let me ask you this again you're going to be you're going to be a great coach one day right so hope so <laughs> no i'm pretty darn sure of it um so how would you approach a kid that maybe doesn't have this 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 pure love of the sport but is very good let's say like the kids you know who just uh, do it cuz winning everything so, do yeah, it cuz they like it just doing it yeah yeah so what what would you say to a kid that maybe doesn't love it as much as you do but they're pretty darn good at so, it so i think there's a certain amount of like you got to find what you love as part of it and i think mm-hmm. At least for me, like, pursuing greatness is so cool. <laughs> so it's like, if you're mm. really good at this, like, it could be anything. But just, let's talk about mm. wrestling, because that's what I like to talk about. If you're really good at mm-hmm. wrestling, and you have the potential to be really, really good, like, that's such a cool thing to pursue. Because, like, for me, mm-hmm. so, like, in my brain, like, I didn't always love it. When I was 10 years old, I wasn't a psycho sitting down and watching wrestling all day, you know? I was, like, a normal little kid. Mm-hmm. But it was like my dad literally sat me down and he's like, all right, listen, when you're older, someday you could win the Olympics or you could try really, really hard and still be bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like one of those things where like when, you're 10, when you're 10, you don't understand what he's saying. But in hindsight, it's like, yeah, right. you can put a ton of work in and you still might suck. Or you could mm-hmm. put a ton of work in and you still might be re- – and you could be like amazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's just cool like – Kids who do it because they're good at it, I think it's like a wasted talent. Like, if you're really good at this, mm-hmm. you should at least try to be good. Even if you're not going to wrestle your whole life, like, do it through college and just – because you don't know. Like, you could turn into someone great who, like, changes a lot of people's lives just because of what you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think as much as, like – like, I feel like that's self-rewarding, but it's, like, there's a lot of, um like, internal reward that comes from that, I think, when, like, you've really – like accomplish something. Like when you sit down and think about it, obviously I'm not going to do this now. But when I'm like 40 and I sit down and I think about everything, I'm, I'm going to be like, man, that was pretty cool. Like it's something to be proud of, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think in my opinion, yeah. it's worth the sacrifices you have to make along the way to sit down and be like, man, I can't believe like how much work I put into something like that. Like it's just like the pursuit as honestly, I think something mm-hmm. that's super cool. So, so like the, the uh, pursuit is something that motivates you and inspires you. Yeah. Because so, as, as much as I say I like having fun, and, you know, this is so much fun for me, like, I would, I would give anything to, win, like, win a world championship or win, like, an Olympic gold medal. And it's like, anyone who takes it seriously would, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, that's what really drives you internally. It's like, maybe it's not a, let's talk, like, college wrestlers, like, man, I know guys, like, people in the room, I'm not going to name names just for the sake of not naming names, but like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I talk to kids and like, dude, I would give anything to win a national title before I graduate. And like, I think just like that desire alone is like something really great that I don't think a lot of people have mm-hmm. just because of the, like, the situation they're in. Like if you just work a regular job and like, say you don't love what you do, like you don't have anything burning inside of you to like do greatness. But I think that like internal burn to like really like when you really desire to succeed. I think it's something special. Even if you don't do it, just something special to have in your life. Well, well, put, sir. Now, so you talk about things that you love and how much you love wrestling, you know, similar to uh, needing to love what you do. There's also, you know, a big part of gratitude. Obviously, we hear a lot from, you know, Kale Sanderson and, you know, the Penn State guys, the Ohio State guys talking a lot about that attitude of gratitude. So, like, Obviously, you're very thankful for, for wrestling, but what are some other things that, like, you're really thankful for in your life? So, this is one thing I think people don't take into consideration of. I would not be nearly as successful as I would be without my parents. Mm-hmm. And not just because the usual, like, oh, they support me so much and they care so much. Like, they really give up a lot of stuff that you don't realize when you're a kid. But then, like, you think about it when – I mean, I'm not saying I'm an adult. But, like, man, I'm thinking about all the stuff my parents have done for me. And I'd be like, man, like, you must really care about someone to do all of that just for the same one person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
And, like, that support system is super important. And, like, I'd probably, I'd be an average 500 wrestler, you know, just, like, who just goes through the motions and does it just because they do it. If it wasn't, if my parents weren't who they were, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, my dad's taking me all over the place. Like, you see me at all those tournaments and, like, it's not mm-hmm. easy. It's not because my dad loves, like, driving a motorhome for 40 hours. You know what I mean? He does it for me. And my parents, like, they do what they do for me. And, you know, even, like, the coaches here at Cornell, like, like they've taken me in, like, a son to them, like, these guys. And I think it's just something really special to have is, like, when you have so many people who care about, like, genuinely care to see you do well. And believe in you. It's, 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 that's yeah. another source of motivation. I think you talked to me about having the uh... – you know, uh, it feels good to know you can look at your coaches and your coach, you know that your coaches truly believe in you. And you feel like, I want to say, you told me when I look at my coaches and they say, you could do it. I believe I could do it. I've got confidence in myself. If they say that I could do it, I sure as hell could do it. Yeah. So that's like another joke we have. Like, I'm like, a, am kind of like a robot in the room (laughs) where it's like, Hey, you tell me to do something. Really? You know what I mean? It's like, whatever you tell me, like switches on. Okay. Like, Hey, Jan, I need you to bash your head through a wall. Is it going to make me win? Yeah, okay. Heads through the wall. You know what I mean? Like just, so it's like, it's kind of like blind faith or something I think is super important to have. Mm-hmm. And like, we joke about, like I joke about it and I get my boss busted for it and stuff, but blind faith is, I think is super important. Where like, even if like, all right, let's take like Mike Gray. He's like, he was my, this is like his first year really being my coach. There's nothing proven. It's not like, oh, well you got me to win this match. You know what I mean? I just got here. But you need to have that blind faith to succeed, I think. And I think that's a big, mm. like, wall to break with coaches and kids. And honestly, like, I can't really tell you there's, like, a surefire way to break it. But I think for a kid to succeed and, like, have that great, like, wrestler-to-coach relationship, you have to have some, like, blind faith in the coach. And you got to just trust the process. Like, even if it's not working out, like, there were times where I'm like, man, like, I'd, I'd lose to a guy in the room. And I'm like, man, how am I going to win a national title if – I'm losing to this guy or how am I going to, how am I going to, you know, win a world championship if I can't even score a takedown on this guy? You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, Hey, my coach thinks I can, like, I just got to keep believing that he's going to do the right things for me. And if you don't, and if you have some reason to believe that he doesn't have your best interest in mind, then that's not the right coach. Obviously, for you. Yeah. Then you got to find a different situation. But I think, the blind faith aspect is something that is overlooked, but super important. Mike, what's an example of, uh, you know, maybe a coach you've interviewed or like had interaction with where you feel like you've heard them talk about that, or maybe like an athlete talking about that too. About faith and their, well, it's for me, Hmm. the, the, that's the given, right? So like that should be the bar. So like, what, what it is for me is the opposite. Like I, the things that stick out to me, unfortunately, are the ones that don't have faith in their athletes. The ones that um, maybe don't care as much as they should about their athletes. And I'm not going to name any names, but man, it's, you look at it and when I, I, I've heard stories and I've heard, um, you know, they're horror stories of, of coaches at even Division One programs who take their job, take this sport for granted so much that they will walk into a wrestling room, write the workout on the whiteboard for the day and just walk out and not even interact with their that athletes. Sucks. Like this has happened. It's, I mean, could you imagine, yeah? Are you serious? If, like, yeah, hey, um, like, division one programs? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, Mike and Damien. Yeah. So, like, Coach Cole obviously can't wrestle that much, like, you know, but just because he's, but, like, Mike and Damien and Gabe probably have wrestled. There's at least one coach wrestling in our practice every day. And, like, mm-hmm. m- most days, like, probably three or four days a week, you got all three of them working out with guys. Mm-hmm. And you're so talking cool. about getting them on the mat. I'm talking about this dude. That's what I mean. Like, not even in the room. Yeah. Not even That's in wild. the room. That's wild. Wow. Okay. And it, 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 I think that maybe not at a Division One level, but I think that there are wrestling coaches that are phoning it in far more than we like to think. And, and so my job, you know, 
I asked you what you would impart on a, on a kid that maybe doesn't love the sport as much as you do. Well, that's my job is to get everyone that I come into contact with to love wrestling as much as I do. It's not going to happen, but that's, that's my goal. That's what I am put here to do. Right. Um, so when I hear these, these awful horror stories of coaches, you know, just phoning it in, at any level, I don't care if it's a, a youth level, if they're, you know, or at a high school level. So, like, for me, I, 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 need, I need there to be so much interest, so much um, uh, excitement around our sport that it develops its own economy so that we can stop having part-time wrestling coaches. I don't want any – look, the fact that most kids in this country learn wrestling from, like, a science teacher – is like bananas to me. Like it's, yeah. it's absolutely ludicrous to me, you know, and, I, and I'm not hating on anybody that has a full-time teaching job and coaches wrestling. What I'm saying is there are wrestling coaches and there are English teachers. You can't, it's really hard to be really good at both. Okay. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're going to be a really good wrestling coach, it's going to take a long time and a lot of hours and, and a tremendous amount of effort to put into it. You're not going to have time to grade papers, dude. <laughs> you know? so, so I guess what I'm saying is I want, there to, I want us to get to a point where we can, we can have enough money in this sport so that that guy that really wants to devote all of his time to wrestling and only took a English teacher's job to pay the bills doesn't have to do that anymore. I don't want him to have to do that anymore. I want him to be able to say, you know, honey, you know, to his wife, I, I'm going to be a wrestling coach. And when I told my wife that I was going to be a wrestling coach two weeks before I got married and I told her I was leaving a $50,000 a year job at 22 years old. She had a few choice words for me, Yanni. She had a few choice words for me and they weren't all polite. I can tell you that much right <laughs> now. Okay. So I guess I don't want anyone else to, to have, to have that ear beating from their wife when they say, I want to be a wrestling coach. It should be a very desirable position. So here's a question for you, Yanni. You know, someone who's been around the sport at all the levels from top to bottom. What are some what are some ways you think we can? Uh, what are some ways as a wrestling community that we can do a better job growing wrestling? How do we avoid uh, once a year to have a Boise State happen, to have an Eastern Michigan happen? You know, from whether it be the grassroots level, whatever. Just like your thoughts in general. Like, how do we as a wrestling community do a better job? of growing wrestling. So these things that Mike's talking about, the bad things stop happening and the good things happen more. So like, I think to put it in the simplest terms I can put it in, it's like, you got to make wrestling cool a little bit. You got to make it so mm -hmm. it's not like people, you want to make it so people love it. And you got to just, I think if you gave people a chance to see like the cool side of it, they would really. So like what's it. the cool side? Like my uncle, my uncle's a good example. He's like a crazy sports fan. And like, obviously he cares about me. But, like, he doesn't like wrestling. It's not like he goes to wrestling tournaments to watch wrestling. You know what I mean? He's a regular dude who just loves cool sporting events, right? First time ever going to a national tournament, he was like, I've watched it on TV, but that was insane. He's like, I didn't realize how, like, loud the arena gets and how crazy, you know, random matches. Like, you don't even know what's going on because it's the second round, but it gets insane on. And I think a lot of people don't see that. And I think part of it is just, like, I don't. I can't tell you how to do it, but I think it's really important to like just get people to see it and like create I think value. If you give people wrestling. a chance. Yeah, I think if you give people a chance to, I don't know how you do it, but if you get regular people a chance to like experience it, I think they'd be super interested. Because like I know kids from my school mm -hmm. who like because of me watch wrestling, and they they'll text me like, "Dude, what matches can I watch that are like cool matches?" I'll give them like international matches or like college matches to watch, and they're like, "Dude, this is awesome." And then they come to the matches and they like support the team and all this stuff. And I think, and it's not because they like, it's not like, it's just something they like now. You know what I mean? So I think a big step in the right direction would just be to get 
get people exposed to it. Just even if it's like, even if it's not the prettiest side, if it's the side that's entertaining to people, like let them be, let them be exposed to it. You know what I mean? I think we can have a whole podcast mm-hmm. on that. And, uh, uh, ma- yeah, uh, ma- that's. I'm, I'm not even going to poke Mal's brain on this because we'll go for another 30 minutes. Yeah, that's a really complex one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. I, mean, I think the bottom line is you've got to create value in wrestling and we've got to make it want to be interesting. And it's just not a sexy sport, especially if you're not from the Northeast. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, Mal and I live in Texas now. We're both from New York, New Jersey. And I was like, why is this sport just not take off? And there's a, there's, there's a lot of reasons. But something that I did realize as I traveled so much this year is that, like, it's not cold in the winter. It's cold as hell up north. Like, you don't want to go outside. So what are you going to do? Like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle. I'm, like, not tall enough to play basketball. So I might as well wrestle. That just doesn't exist, like, down south. So, you know, um, among many other issues, I found that, like, it's such a simple thing that we don't really consider. It's just, it's, like, you can play winter baseball. You could play winter soccer. You could do all these other things. They're without value in wrestling. We essentially don't have anywhere to go. So um, interesting point. So something – You've Mike's hinted at a, at this in, in a couple different ways, talking about like, you know, you have a unique experience, you have a unique perspective. Uh, you know, you've wrestled at the highest level, you've won at the highest level, you've been surrounded by great coaches. You know, um, a lot of people talk about your ability to stay focused under pressure. I was listening to your NCAA interviews, and it's like three different people asked the same question, um, talking about your poise and how you stay calm. You know, having that, uh, um, you know, pretty much being like an, an ice cold when most people would freak out. So um, you put yourself in so many of these pressure situations that it comes easy to you. You know, you talked about repetition um, and how you've had so much experience. So it's easy. Well, what advice would you give to those guys who lack your experience and likely lack your skill, but they want to replicate your ability to stay calm under pressure? Like what would you, what would you give those guys? uh, what, what, What advice would you give those guys? I think the biggest thing is to just, when you're in the room, as ridiculous as it sounds, you got to just mentally put yourself there. Like, when, like you got to have those days in practice where you're wrestling every, every situation down by one. You're wrestling every situation up by one. You're wrestling every situation down by three, you know. Where it's just like, you're, you can't entirely depend on your coaches to do it for you. You can't be like, coach, I need to do a down by one situation all the time because I need to get better at scoring late. Like, some of that's internal, you know what I yep. mean? And I think... Those kids who, you know, maybe struggle scoring down by a point or struggle keeping a lead, just put yourself in that situation. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if you lose more because of it in the room, it's fine. It's the room. You don't win and lose practice matches. You just wrestle them. So, like, put yourself in those situations where you're winning and losing by a point and go and get a takedown and, like, go and keep the guy off you. You know what I mean? And I just think it's super important to practice it all the time and take it seriously, not just, like, go through the motions. Because if you seriously – Treat it like you're down by a point when you are seriously down by a point in a big match. You're used to it. You're, you're there. And it's like, okay, I was just here yesterday. So I think that's a great point. I think I'm... a lot of guys, you know, they, don't, they, they treat practice like practice. They treat matches like matches. They, they, that's a reason why people get nervous because they don't treat them the same way. And when, you're, when your coach yells out, all right, you're down by one, there's 10 seconds left. And they're like, all right, sweet. You only have a 10-second go. You're not like, oh, my God, I'm down by one with 10 seconds left. So, you know, I think that was interesting. And I, and I also thought it was interesting. Uh, I asked Spencer Lee the same thing two years ago and he essentially said the same thing um and i'm sure your answer wouldn't have changed two years ago and his answer doesn't change today you know he's he would talk about you know i was like you know what 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 separates you in competition and he's like i train to score 50 points every go whether it's 10 seconds long or two minutes long i'm looking to score 50 i'm looking to win every position it's not practice it's not a match it's wrestling it's all the same thing so um you know as we as we get ready to close up i know i've got one more question um Mike, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask Yanni? No. Um, how big are your cheeks right now? Okay. I, your, your, your cheeks are really big right now, aren't they? I'm not that heavy, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, saying that I've seen leave, Instagram like, and I've seen, oh, I can't yeah. see your eyes that well. All the okay? fat goes to my face. That's why. It does. It, you got huge I, cheeks. Yeah, I got a big head is the problem. <laughs> that, is, that is a, a large, large head. Yeah, cream. you know what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're one of, you know, and uh, being one of those guys that keeps your face in the fight too, like I, I, I feel bad that has to, to, to be the guy that's got to wrestle that big head. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my last question, Yanni, you, you, you know, <laughs> I asked you 
a couple times, you know, to articulate like what you feel like your mental edge is. And essentially what you came down with was the ability to recognize um, adversity and then more importantly, the ability to overcome it. So, you know, as we close out today, you know, tell me what that means uh, to you. And again, how guys that aren't Yanni, they lack your skill set, they lack your world level experience, um, how they can recognize adversity, how they can overcome it. Um, I think there's, there's two sides of it that are very different. And I think they both influence the same part of it is like, just, just putting yourself in the situation a lot where it's like, it becomes familiar. Cause I think the unfamiliarity is more of the problem than the actual situation. I think some people like, like, all right, take some youth superstar, right? He's, he's 12. He's been down by a point, like four matches ever. Cause he's been amazing his whole life. Mm-hmm. He just, he's just uncomfortable being losing because he just hasn't been losing enough to, to do something about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think so. The familiarity, just putting yourself in a situation, the and then the flip side of mm. it is when you're in that situation. I think the flip side of that situation is that when you're in the situation, you can't be like, "Oh no, I'm like, like panicking and freaking out about it." isn't going to solve the problem. Like finding a solution isn't going to solve the problem. So when you're down by a point, if anything, you need to focus in more (laughs) because now you're like, okay, I need to win this exact position right now. You know, because if I don't, it doesn't matter what goes on. And and like, if there's 30 seconds left, I'm like, all right, I got to win these 30 seconds. It doesn't matter if I save some energy for later because there isn't going to be a later. (laughs) And I think it's just being able to recognize that that um can i share can i share with you what i was doing while you were winning a national title what's that i was sitting on the riser on press row and i was literally sitting on the steps and right in front of me was nevels and shakur from uh from penn state and they were literally sitting on the step right below me you know and i so i'm gonna preface all this by saying I love Bryce. Like he is an awesome kid. He's great for the sport. I really enjoy him as a person. I think he's good. Right. And he's amazing at at the sport. Okay. But you and I have a bit of a relationship. We've worked out together. We've had dinner together. We like, you know, it's, it's, you know, not that I was rooting for you and I really wasn't. I just, I I was rooting for wrestling. Okay. But I I I will, I, I was, I was rooting for wrestling. Okay. And I knew that that was going to be my favorite match, and it was. And sure enough, in the last 30 seconds, I put my hand on Shakur's shoulders. I don't know Rashid Shakur from a hole in the wall, okay? <laughs> but I got my hands on this dude's shoulders, and I started saying it slowly and methodically. I go, he's really good here. He's really, really good here. He's good here. He's, he's really good here. Holy shit. He's really, really good here. He's good here. Oh my God. Oh, he's, he's really good here. And, and like, I'm grabbing his shoulders and shaking him the entire time. <laughs> and Neville's is just looking at me like, um, can you stop? That's my friend. I don't, <laughs> but I started shaking this poor kid in front of me. And I was like, oh my God, he's so good here. He's really good here. And there it was, there's your crotch lock position that you've, wrestled in a gazillion times and that you were so familiar you were so familiar with that position you were so familiar with that instance in a match down by whatever x amount of time left you were so comfortable there that i was comfortable there yeah i was comfortable there i was sitting well i don't know it was like 30 yards away it was like for me if you could have picked all right you're down by one What's what's one of three positions you'd like to be in? That was I would have taken sit in the corner with a high crotch, especially the All way day. my leg was. Especially the way my leg yeah. was, I could I couldn't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. I mean, if my shots aren't going to be great, the fact that he shot on me was going to swing in my favor a little more. Yeah. Oh, that that worked out, didn't it? Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. All right, more. 
Uh, Yanni, thank you again, you know, for your time today. I know you got to head out. You got physical therapy. That's your number one priority is getting that knee back to 100%. Um, so want to appreciate you for not only taking your time out, but also like sharing that wealth of knowledge that you have uh, and the love that you have for the sport of wrestling. Everybody listening, you know, you have all become better wrestlers, better coaches and better people by listening to what uh, he had to say today. And, you know, likewise, uh, you know, Mike Mao, I uh, uh, appreciate you coming on to, you know, share your wealth of knowledge. Like, I, like I've always told you, you know, I, I appreciate not just the technical details that you share, but the mind that you have for the sport. So, Mike, I think we should do this again sometime. What do you think? I think that'll work just fine. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, Yanni, you know, again, thank you. Thank you very much um, for sharing everything. Uh, do you have anything left that you want to tell the wrestling community before we sign off? Um, no, thank you for having me and just, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really good at closing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, listen, you, you are damn good at closings. You're damn good at closing matches and winning when, there's, when everything's on the line. How about that? Hey, I'll take that. That's, I'll take that skill. Yeah. That's I'll, a good one. I'll take that skill every day. Hey, man, I mean, honestly, that's, that's whatever you do in the rest of your life outside of wrestling, uh, the, 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 this, your ability to handle pressure, your ability to be clutch, that's going to pay off for the rest of your life. So I'll, I look forward to seeing whatever that looks like, and I look forward to you putting that Olympic gold medal around your neck. I'm sure Mike does, too. Yeah. Hopefully. All right, Yanni. Talk to you soon, yeah, bro. Thank you, guys. Later, guys. Right. See you. Later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.